You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we are continuing our series on the good fight. And uh, I just want to say right off the top, the good fight, as many of you know, is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. The good fight is a spiritual battle, and we have been reminded again this week of how difficult of a spiritual battle that is. We've seen ample evidence of that this week in our world. We've been reminded of the division in our world over race and justice. We have even dealt with our own feelings and attitudes towards one another over our varying response to a second wave of COVID-19. We've struggled with our own personal sins, right? Is there, is there any doubt, right? The good fight is what? It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And because we are human, we have this tendency to seek solutions outside of Christ that can actually only be found in Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy who is in his own spiritual battle. He is discouraged. He's, as we'll see, under attack. He may even be thinking of quitting. He's struggling with his faith. He's struggling with his ministry. And as we saw last week in verses 8 through 12 of chapter 1, Paul points him to where he should be pointed, Jesus. And specifically the good news about Jesus, the gospel. And this morning, we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 13 through 18, and we are going to find that the good fight, the spiritual battle that we are in, requires, it absolutely requires of us a passionate pursuit of the gospel. It requires of us a passionate pursuit of the gospel. The good fight, the good fight requires of us a passionate pursuit of the gospel. Look at what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy in verse 13 of chapter 1. He says this, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. He says, first of all to Timothy, listen, if you're going to have a passionate pursuit of the gospel, you've got to hold on to the gospel. You have to Hold on to the gospel. You have to follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. There's a pattern to follow. That word pattern is taken from the idea of an artist's sketch. Now, nobody would ever say that I was an artist, so I'm just, you know, you got to take my word for it. You can Google it later if you want, but the word pattern means artist sketch. It's like if you went to Paris and you saw this amazing cathedral, you would see people outside of the amazing cathedral, just sketching the cathedral. And then they would take that sketch and they would go back as an artist, they would go back to their studio and based on the sketch, they would actually paint the picture that they wanted to paint of the cathedral. That's the idea here of the word of pattern that's being used here by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. That just like the artist's sketch is to the painting, 
so are these sound words the Apostle Paul is talking about. It's like an architect who give, and an engineer that work on a blueprint, and they hand off that blueprint to a builder so the builder can follow the plan so that they can build the right building. You know, when I was younger, and as it is today, I, um, I just was not good at drawing. I, I couldn't draw anything, but I was excellent at tracing. Really good tracer. Um, I was probably, you know, I, I was really learned the art of taking out a blank piece of paper and putting it on top of a, another artist's work and tracing those lines really carefully. And then when that was done, learning how to color and kind of shade and going, hey, voila, look at my amazing work. That's how I kind of survived Art 101. Um, not suggesting anyone else do that. Okay, just saying that I was just really good at tracing. That's what Paul means when he says here, I want you, Timothy, to follow the pattern. He's saying to them, he's saying to him, I want you to, I want you to stay inside the lines. I don't want you to stray from the lines. What lines? Well, he goes on to describe it. He says, This is what the pattern is. He says, the pattern, follow the, this pattern the sound words, the healthy words that you have heard from me. Well, well what, is, what has Timothy heard from the Apostle Paul? He's heard from the Apostle Paul the good news of Jesus Christ and all the truth that flows from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. I mean, consider the fact that Timothy is a partner in ministry with the Apostle Paul. Right? He went on his missionary journey with him. He was... When Paul was writing his letters, Timothy was there. I mean, he would have heard him talking about all these different kinds of, of, of great doctrine. And one of them was just in verses 9 and 10. We, we looked at last week. Let's just jump back up to verse 9, chapter 1, where he says, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Wow, there's a lot in that verse and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wow, he heard the truth. He heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or Consider the letter that was written to the church at Philippi, Philippians, where at the beginning of that letter it says, Timothy, it says, Paul and Timothy. All of the doctrine that's wrapped up in that letter that he writes to the church at Philippi, like, because you're in Christ, you are now united together. You express humility towards one another. You take on the mind of Christ. He would have learned about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that God himself left heaven, took on the form of a human, and became obedient even unto death. Death on a cross. All these things are wrapped up in, in the letter to Philippians. Or what about the letter to the church at Colossae, the Colossians? He would have learned about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. He would have learned about how to put on and put off in our, in our struggle against sin. Or consider First and Second Thessalonians. Again, Paul and Timothy 
In 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, he would have learned about the second coming of Jesus Christ, or even the letter of 1st Timothy, where he would have learned things like in soteriology, like where Jesus came to save sinners, or he would have learned things about ecclesiology, life in the church, that because we're in Christ, we worship a certain way, and we care for one another in a certain way, and we select certain kinds of leaders because we are in Christ, and he would have learned how to be content all of that, sound and healthy words. The Apostle Paul took the time with Timothy to unpack the story and the historic doctrines of Scripture. The good news of Jesus Christ and all the truth that flows from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So he's saying to Timothy, follow that pattern. Don't stray out of the lines of the historic doctrines of the faith. Stick to the biblical story. Stick to the good news. That's the pattern you're supposed to follow. And then he says this. He says this. He says, this is the way then you're supposed to follow the pattern. Do it in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Follow the pattern faithfully. Don't stray from the story of the good news. Don't look for solutions outside of Christ that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Follow this pattern with love. Don't be angry about it. Have the mind of Christ. Be humble towards one another. Love each other even as you share the good news of Jesus Christ. Hold on to the gospel. So if... If you and I are going to do this, like Paul is like, he is like, Timothy, you got to do this. If we're going to take the same earnest intent that the Apostle Paul passes off to Timothy, and God, is, and his, through his Spirit, is saying to us today, if we're going to hold on to the gospel, it's going to require of all of us a deeper discipleship. Because this is true. You can only hold on to what you have. The Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, hold on to the gospel, but you can only hold on to what you have. You can only hold on to what you have. It, and that requires a deeper understanding of us, of the story of Scripture, a deeper understanding of the good news of Jesus, a deeper understanding of the historic doctrines of the faith. And I want to say this as, as nicely as I can and as kindly as I can. For some of us, that means if you're on a spiritual milk diet, now it's time for you to get on a spiritual solid food diet. For some of us, it, it means that we need to move beyond only being spiritually fed through someone else and starting to actually wrestle through the meaning of Scripture with other believers together. You need to join a group of people and dive into God's Word together. For some of us, for some of us, that might mean taking a class in the institute. This is commercial time. Right? What, why not? Why not? Why not study the historic doctrines of the faith? Why not learn how to study God's Word more effectively? Why not learn how the Old Testament interacts with this grand story of Scripture? Why would you not want to understand those things? You need to understand those things. Because without understanding it, you're not going to hold on to it. You can only hold on to what you have. So we, we study the Word. You can even take the course from home if you want this year because we're all online. Just go to hopeinstitute.ca. Okay? 
Hold on to the gospel because you can only hold on to what you have. And then he says this in verse 14. He says, guard the gospel. Guard it. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. God, if you are, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you express faith in who Jesus is and the work that he has done on the cross for you, that you've been saved by faith, not by works, you know that's true then God has given you an awesome gift. An amazing, amazing, great gift. One that just surpasses any kind of words or description. It's beautiful. It's precious. And that's been given to you by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God himself has deposited it in you. He's invested it in you. He's given it to you. He's entrusted it to you as a as a precious gift, salvation in Jesus Christ, the good news, it's for you and it's for you to share with others. But he says here, you have to guard it. You have to guard it. You have to protect it. You have to keep it safe. You have to protect it so it's not lost or damaged. And the reason why he says that is because there is always an ever-present danger to the gospel. And it's this, moving the lines, changing the lines, that's the ever-present danger to the gospel in our lives. We, we, we either move the lines or we start to color outside the lines. There are external threats to the gospel. There are false gospels. Basically, a false gospel is anything that's making something other than faith in Jesus alone necessary for salvation. Like there's the we are basically good enough gospel. That's the one you hear at funerals sometimes. You know, they did more good than bad, I guess they're okay. There's the sincerely believe in something gospel. Right? Does it really matter if you just believe that Jesus is the only way? What if we just all kind of believed in our own kind of way and we believed sincerely? That's, that's the gospel of inclusivity. It's not the gospel that we preach. There's prosperity gospel. There's faith in Jesus plus gospel. That's the gospel. That's the, the message of the false good news that was being preached at the church at Galatia. There's all these false gospels that are around us, and, oh, and, 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 and we need to be aware of them. But there's not just external threats, there's internal threats, too, to the gospel. Things that are in us, things that are in our minds. I remind you what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. So if I'm doing Bible study right now, I'm circling two words, conformed and transformed. Right? Do not be conformed to this world. Those false gospels are the message of the world. Don't be conformed to those, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How in the world are you transformed by the renewal of your mind? By knowing what the true gospel is. By understanding what it means, what all the truths that flow out of the grace of Jesus Christ, 
That's, that's, if you focus your attention on that, I'll tell you this, that's the playground of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you focus your attention on the true gospel, not only being aware of what the false gospels are, but you do really understand the depth of what you have in the true gospel. Transformed by the renewal of your mind. Transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then he goes on and he says this, how are we supposed to guard it? He says through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Right? That's, He's just telling us it's a spiritual battle. We're totally dependent on God in this. And if we are going to guard the gospel like this, it's going to require of us a deeper delight in the gospel. Because I know this is true. This is true. I find this to be true in my life. You will only protect what you treasure. It reminds me of the, of the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 13, 44, when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Why was he so jo- joyful? Because he knew what he was about to get was far better than what he had. Wow. Wow. Is it not true? You only protect what you treasure. You only protect what you treasure. A deeper understanding of the gospel should lead us to a deeper appreciation and a full-out deep affection for the God who has given us this great deposit. When think about your heart, think about your life right now. How great, how great is your love for God and the gift of the gospel. How much joy is in your heart right now because God, the the God of this universe, the one who created all things, died for you so that you could enjoy him now and forever. What What does that do in your heart, in your mind, in your soul? Like, is it like, are you like at a three in the delight scale, or you're like at a nine and a half of the delight scale? Where are you? Where are you? How delighted are you? The fact that the God of this universe sacrificed for you so that you could could be in relationship with him. And then to think of all the other spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Eternity. The Holy Spirit within us. To be able to be part of a church, other because we're in Christ, to be bound together through Christ together. I, it's just, man. You only protect what you treasure. And then he says this in verses 15 through 18. Not only do you need to hold on to the gospel, not only do you need to guard it, but you need to live courageously for the gospel. Let me read verses 15 through 18. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. 
But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You know, one of the things that I am so impressed with by the Apostle Paul is his capacity for relationships. I mean, he's, I'm going to say he's a pretty busy dude. Okay, so he's got, I mean, I know he's in prison. You think, well, what do you, you got time on your hands? I'm just telling you, he thought about a lot of things. He's been ministering to churches. He does a lot of different things. But everywhere he went, he had this amazing capacity for relationships. He was spiritually and emotionally attached to those he ministered to and partnered with in the gospel. And that's why when you read through the New Testament and the New Testament letters from the Apostle Paul, that it's people that sometimes are the, the cause of greatest joy in his life, and it's people who are the cause of greatest pain in his life. And here in these verses are two examples of that. One is an example of discouragement for the Apostle Paul, and one is an example of massive encouragement for the Apostle Paul. And the reason why these verses are here is because he wants to illustrate to Timothy everything that he's been teaching him from verses 8 through 14. He's illustrating them through these ones. He's giving them an example of cowardice, and he's giving them an example of courage. So let's look at the cowards first. Okay, verse 15. Look at verse 15. He says, You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. Among them are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And that's all we know about the story. We don't know who these men are. We don't know why they've actually turned away. We don't know anything about the story. What we do know is about Paul's relationship with Asia. If we go back to Acts chapter 19, we looked at that when we were preaching through the, uh, the Acts series, studying through that. You remember how he was in Ephesus for a period of time, and he used to work in the morning, and then probably in the afternoon, he would spend all his time with disciples, teaching the disciples... And, and then it said that, that because of that, all of Asia heard about the gospel. The, the idea there is that the disciples probably went out and they, you know, they were telling them what Paul had just told them. And he's, they're telling that, and people were coming to know Christ. So it says in Acts 19.10, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And these are some of the same people that would have been the byproduct of that in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 19. That's what we know of the story. What we do know about this story is that clearly Timothy knows about it. You see what it says in verse 15? You are aware. He says to Timothy, you know, you know about, you know what the story's all about. That everybody has turned from me. Something happened. Right? One moment they were all on Paul's side, the next moment they were not. Now, Onesiphorus, in verses 16 through 18, is the opposite to this story. He's like, if you know, what you know about Onesiphorus is not true of the people in Asia in verse 15. And so it says of Onesiphorus that it says, He was not ashamed of my chains. So we should suppose when we read in verse 15, when it says that they turned away from me, why did they turn away from me? Because they were ashamed of my chains. 
They didn't want to be associated with Apostle, Apostle Paul. They wanted nothing to do with it. They didn't want to have anything to do with his suffering, anything to do with his imprisonment. And if you go back to verse 8, you'll realize why this is an illustration of what Paul has been teaching him. Look at what it says in 1 verse 8. Therefore, don't be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. They were ashamed. Do you know the gospel's controversial? Did you, did you know that? When you tell people the story of the Bible, right, that the, there's a king, right? It's the triune God, the triune Lord. There's a, there's a king, and he created the world. That's pretty controversial. Not only that, though, that, that his creation, the human beings, they chose to rebel against the king and sin entered the world. And because sin entered the world, every single human being now is infected with sin. And because of that, we stand under the judgment of the king. That's the first three chapters of the story. But the king didn't want it. He, the king and his grace and his mercy does not want to leave us in that state. And so the Old Testament in particular tells us the story of how he initiates this, this story of redemption. He chooses a nation, and then eventually the king himself, the king himself comes to the earth. He humbles himself and becomes a human, and he lives amongst us. And he dies for us. He takes on the judgment that we are supposed to have on himself. So that if through faith, if we express faith in what he's done, we don't have to stand under the judgment of God anymore. Then the church starts awesome. The church starts, people start to believe in faith in, faith in Jesus Christ. And the church begins, and the church then goes on mission for the king with the king's message, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. All with the hope, believing that one day, one day the full kingdom is going to come back down to the earth, the new heavens and the new earth. And those who have expressed faith in Jesus Christ are going to live forever in that new kingdom with the king. And oh, by the way, those who do not will stand under the judgment that they deserved. And they will be separated from God and, and, and live in hell forever. That's the story. That's the story of the Bible. That's, that's the biblical story of the Bible. And, and you know what? It's not just the story of the Bible. It's actually my story too. I believe that to be true. It's my story. And I know there are many of you in this auditorium this morning who say that it's my story too. So it's not only the story of the Bible, but it's also my story and it's your story. But here's the thing. It's everyone's story. Whether you believe it or not, this is the story of all of human history. It's the story of the world. It's kind of controversial. Some people, when you tell that story, will believe it, respond in faith to Jesus Christ and the good news of Christ and believe it. Many will not 
many will oppose it. And many will be persecuted for it. Jesus promised that. He said that that was going to happen. That that's exactly what would happen. Are you in or out? These guys are out. They see Paul and his chains. They're ashamed of his chains. They won't have anything to do with it. I don't know exactly why they don't want to have anything to do with it, but they don't want to have anything to do with the chains of Paul. And they're like, they're out. I'm out. Are you in or out? Those are the cowards. Let's look at the courageous one, Onesiphorus, in verse 16. It says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. He wasn't ashamed of the chains. He was willing to associate himself with the Apostle Paul at much risk to himself. He was an encourager. It says he often refreshed me. He would have done that physically by bringing physical needs to the Apostle Paul, but definitely spiritually by spending time with the Apostle Paul. He was persistent, right? He didn't let anything get in the way of the mission. It says he searched for me earnestly, and he found me. I can almost picture him knocking on the doors in Rome. Anybody know where the Apostle Paul is? Where's Paul? I thought he was in this house thing, but now I don't. Where is he? i got to find the Apostle Paul. He's earnest, he's persistent, he's consistent. Not only is he minister like that to the Apostle Paul, but it says in verse 18 that he actually did it at the church at Ephesus as well. And then, he is sacrificial. Both he and his household. Did you notice what it says in verse 16? It says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. Why? Because Onesiphorus was on this mission to minister with the Apostle Paul, and it took him away from his home. It took, I mean, it wasn't like he jumped on a jet and flew to Rome. Right? We, it, this is a significant sacrifice that he's, that he's undertaking at this point. He's sacrificing. He doesn't let inconvenience, they don't let inconvenience get in the way of the mission. They don't let comfort get in the way of the mission. They took risks. He took long trips away, and he did it all at his own personal cost. Why? Because he was in. He was in. He understood the beauty of the gospel, and he understood the mission and the ministry the Apostle Paul was on. He was in. And to live courageously requires a deep devotion to the gospel, to the testimony about our Lord. And this is what I know is true about this. You will only sacrifice for what's most important. That's true of your life right now. The things that you sacrifice for are the things that are most important for you. That's true. You will only sacrifice for what is most important. So I'll say it again. Are you in or are you out? What's the main priority in your life? 
See, the good fight, the good fight, is a, it's, a spirit, it's a spiritual battle. And these days, the opposition to the gospel is increasing. And it is going to require of us, like it did of Timothy, a passionate pursuit of the gospel where we hold on to it and guard it and we live courageously for it. The gospel is everything. It's everything. So are you in or you're out? Let's pray together. Father, hard words. Hard, hard words, but words from the Scripture. God, I just, I, I pray right now in this moment as we, wait on you, Spirit, I pray that you would do the work that you need in our hearts right now. Are we in or are we out? I know most of us here would say we're in, but are we, true, are we truly holding on to the gospel? Do we have a sense of what the gospel is and all the truths that come out of the grace of Jesus Christ? Are we delighting in the gospel? Are we devoted to the gospel? I know many of us, many of us, myself included, would say, Lord, yes, like, I mean, that I know that the gospel is my story. I know the story of scripture is my story. Are we willing to be opposed for the gospel? Are we willing to be even persecuted for the gospel? Oh, God, help us. It's a spiritual battle. Give us grace, Father. Encourage our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.